Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Please be seated. Because I'm a visiting preacher, and most of you don't know me well, I thought I'd start by telling you a little bit about myself, but I'm going to get to the gospel, I promise. I grew up in a family that was nominally Christian but didn't go to church. Both of my parents were born in the Midwest. They went to various churches growing up, not the Episcopal Church, but by the time my sister and I came along, we were living in Southern California. And there was no expectation that we'd be in a church on a Sunday morning, and so we weren't. The sole exception to that was that for a year or two, when I was just five years old, my best friend and his little sister died in a terrible fire. And after that, my mother started taking us to the Presbyterian Church, where she'd been invited by a friend. And I don't remember much about that little church. I remember joining a children's choir, very much like the one we just heard from. I remember my Sunday school teacher, Mr. Mrs. Dryden, teaching us to sing, Yes, Jesus Loves Me. And I also remember a children's sermon about Noah's Ark, but beyond that, I don't remember very much. What I do remember is feeling safe and loved and welcome. But it only lasted, like I said, for a year or two. After that, we stopped going, and I don't know why. The next time that God showed up in my life, at least in my conscious life, was my junior year of high school when a friend of mine took his own life. At that time, I started to read the Bible and tried to pray. But if you asked me, I probably would have said I was an atheist back then. By the time I was in college, I was looking for something. I wasn't sure what, but I was definitely looking. I started attending daily morning prayer and Sunday services with my roommate, who was a devout Methodist. I was struggling with a deep depression. I got some therapy after graduation, but the turning point came from the church. One night, I found myself kneeling outside on a busy street in the snow in front of a crucifix near a local church right outside it. And I started pouring my heart out to Jesus and telling him that for the rest of my life, I would live for him. After college, I found my way into the Episcopal Church and was baptized with the service that is in our prayer book. 
And what I remember most is the words spoken by the priest when he signed my head with the sign of the cross in holy oil. Bill, he said, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. Maybe some of you have heard those words spoken to yourself or to one of your children, somebody that you loved. These words have always summed up for me the heart of the gospel. They remind me that no matter what happens, I am a child of God, that Jesus has touched my life, and that Jesus has given me a share in his very own mission of love, that Jesus has called me to share his love with my neighbors, all the neighbors he gives me. Some of you may have been lucky enough to hear our presiding bishop preach a time or two. There has never been a more exciting time to be an Episcopalian. Many of you probably heard him right here at Christ Church at last year's diocesan convention. And no doubt, the decision to have Christ Church host the convention has something to do with the incredible work that God is doing in this church. Truly, the amazing growth that has occurred at Christ Church over the last few years is a miracle to be celebrated. I hope you are celebrating what God is doing. And as I looked at your website in preparation for today, in a prominent place I read the following words, which are also printed on your bulletin. Follow Jesus, it says. Love people change the world. When he was here, as he often does, Bishop Curry talked about the Jesus movement. Let me tell you something. The Jesus movement he keeps talking about is nothing new. It is just basic New Testament Christianity. The Jesus movement is all about following Jesus together in the power of the spirit of love. It's about helping Jesus to love our neighbors, all of them, especially the least of these. It is about sharing our stories of meeting Jesus and having him change our lives. And there has never, ever been a greater need for Jesus and his love. We see the problems all around us. We see the hatred, divisions, and self-centered behavior. We can feel the fear. And we see the fruit of it week by week in horrific acts of violence and despair. We need churches like this one. We need churches like Christ Church, where all kinds of people can belong places where we find welcome and acceptance and love with Jesus at the very center, places where our gifts can be put to use and God can help us to change the world. That brings me to our gospel lesson, the story that's often called the widow's might. Jesus notices this woman and points her out to his disciples. That's because unlike all the other people in the temple who are giving out of their excess, this woman is putting in everything she has. 
It's a dangerous text for, for stewardship sermons. <laughs> a lot of preachers are tempted to overplay our hands. In fact, the lesson was the text for the only sermon that I ever walked out on. At the time, my wife and I had just gotten married and gone to Chicago for seminary. We didn't have much except for each other. Neither of us had a job yet, and we were far from home. We had joined the local parish, and the fall stewardship campaign came around. And in his sermon, the rector said that if we weren't pledging, we shouldn't be there. Well, we weren't, <laughs> and we couldn't. So I left. I'm sharing this story with you not to celebrate my immature behavior, but because I want you to know that I get it. There are times in our life where we can't afford to give much money to our church. Sometimes we're struggling to provide the basics for those we love, and our giving needs to be minimal. We can give in other ways, and believe me, gifts of time and work are always needed to create the kind of joyful, thriving community we experience here at Christ Church. But, and this is very important, we can't do most of the things God is calling us to do without gifts of money. How we budget and set priorities for spending money is one of the ways we respond to Jesus and his call to discipleship. And every year when Tracy and I set our family budget, we think and pray about how we might increase our giving to the various churches we serve. Sometimes we can, other times we can't, but we always think and pray about it together. For you and your families, it's an important way to decide where you fit in with what God is doing here at Christ Church and in the wider world. I'm in love with the theme of your stewardship campaign. What it's, what it's all about, it seems to me, is prayerfully discerning what our piece of the puzzle is. How do we, and the, how do we fit in with the mission and ministry God is calling us to here? For some of us, our gift will be close to the widow's might, the two small coins she put in that represent the whole of her life and labor offered up to God. For others of us, we may be able to make more substantial gifts, but every gift of whatever size matters because it represents our faithful response to what God is doing in our lives. My challenge for us today is to think and pray about where our giving fits in with the rest of our lives as followers of Jesus. As a priest, I've been blessed over the years to see God at work in many, many lives. As I meditate upon the widow in the story, I wonder what her giving means to her. How does she feel about her gift? And why is it that she's offering everything she has, her whole living, it says, to God? We'll never know for sure. But what we do know is that Jesus sees her, and he points her out to his disciples. Her example is one that he lifts up for us today. 
One of the places I see God most clearly at work is when people come up to receive Holy Communion. In some cases, I have known their stories. Over the years, it has been my privilege to share the bread of life with many people. And I remember their outstretched hands. I remember their smiling, sometimes tear-streaked faces. Sometimes they were struggling with issues of forgiveness. Other times they've come back to church after a season away or perhaps a forced exile. Still other times they were grieving or carrying other heavy burdens. In some cases, I've given communion to people I knew had attempted suicide or were wrestling with mental illness. Some were veterans struggling with trauma they'd experienced in combat or as prisoners of war. But most were just garden variety sinners like you and me. Whoever we are and whatever the reason we're here, God offers us the same priceless gift. It's a gift that we could never earn or deserve. The body of Jesus, broken and given for our salvation. And God doesn't give the way the world gives. God doesn't give in order to get something from us. God has no need to manipulate or control us in any way. God has no need to barter or exchange. God gives us gifts because God loves us, because God delights in us, and God wants to make us happy, whole, and free. And though it's true that there's nothing we can do to earn it, grace is free or it isn't a gift, and though it's true there's no price we could ever pay to buy it, God does expect a response from us. What God wants, brothers and sisters, is our love and gratitude. Eucharist means thanksgiving. The way we receive God's gifts best is by sharing them with others. Ultimately, God wants our whole lives. As one of our Eucharistic prayers puts it, in our worship we offer ourselves, our souls and bodies, as a living sacrifice to God. For me, it's all about that moment when I was kneeling in the snow, giving my life to Jesus and his mission of love. And it's about the many times since when I've seen Jesus and his love at work in human lives, mostly through congregations like this one and brothers and sisters like all of you. The question for us here today is this, where has Jesus and his love touched our lives? And how do we make a faithful response to God's staggering generosity to us? Not because we have to, but because we want to. I'm sure there are as many answers around this room as there are people, but the question for us is how best to respond how do we use all that we have and all that we are to advance the Jesus movement here and now? Only you can decide what counts as a faithful response for you. What I do know is this. Christ Church is an amazing Christian community with an incredible story 
where Jesus is truly preached, truly loved, truly worshipped, and truly followed. Whatever your piece of the puzzle happens to be, I pray you'll be faithful with it. Follow Jesus. Love people. Change the world. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org. And peace be with you.